This is a weekly podcast to update you on the volcanic activity of the week. I'm one of your hosts, Alessandro Mozo. And I'm your other host, Corinne Jorgensen. We're two PhD students at the University of Geneva. We study volcanoes and are here to give you all the hot volcano news. Okay, so first, a quick update on the week's volcanic activity, and then the focus of the week, Mama Edna. Oh yeah. (laughs) Let's go to it, guys. It's June 28th at the time of recording, and this is your quick update. Let's start things off in Asia. This week we saw activity as usual from Ibeko in Paramashir Islands, Dukono, Indonesia, Sumeru, and Menam. Notably, Swanazojima in Ryukyu Island, Japan, has had an increase in eruptive activity, though it's been active since 2004. Japanese Meteorological Agency reports that there is an increase in activity and a near constant glow from the Ontake crater. A 2km exclusion zone is in effect for fears of volcanic bombs from the crater. Merapi in Indonesia uh, has been busy this week. The growing lava dome has produced near-constant pyroclastic flows from the summit crater. Volcanodiscovery.com's correspondent reports that phoenix clouds from, have arised from the block and ash flows. Now, phoenix clouds are probably one of the coolest volcanological terms, and they're also called co-ignobrite plumes. And essentially what it is is that a plume arises from the ashes of a pyroclastic density current, which is very poetic. At Merapi this week, we saw uh, these, these phoenix plumes uh, separated from the pyroclastic density current rising up to four kilometers along the Boyong and Gendol rivers. Um, avalanches have also extended to about three kilometers from the summit, and there's currently a five kilometer exclusion zone in effect. In the Americas, we saw regular activity from Fuego, Reventador, Sabancaya, Nevado de Silan, and Sangay. And as per usual, Sabancaya won the tallest plume. Yes, with a plume of 8.2 kilometers on June 26th. There was also some new-ish activity from Ricon de la Vieja in Costa Rica this week with a 3.4 kilometer plume. It's This is its first eruption since uh, November 2020. And also on June 21st, there were four eruptions at Telica in Nicaragua, uh, resulting in a tiny baby plumes up to... 150 meters. I'm not going for any comparison, Korea, don't worry. <laughs> Talika has a pretty consistent fumarolic activity, and since January 2020, there have been some smaller eruptions every few months. In Iceland, we're still seeing some lava flows as per usual. And um, Mamhetna had a busy week, but this is for the focus, however, so let's go on and go to Stromboli. Stromboli won some attention still. Again, this week we saw a lava flow on the side of the Shara del Fuoco on June 25th. This is in line with the increased activity at Stromboli over the last few weeks from CO2 and SO2 emissions and more volcanic quakes. This all seems to be pointing to an influx of magma depth. Okay, so Stromboli has had an influx of magma, so has Etna. They're only 150 kilometers away from each other. Wildly speculating here, but I really wonder if there's some sort of connection between the two. Hmm, potentially Stromboli is super jealous of the <laughs> of all the attention Etna is having, and it's like a little baby crying for a toy. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Okay, lastly, we have a dolphin update. So, Schle- <laughs> So the Shevelush volcano in the Kamchatka region of Russia has had two lava domes. One of them is called Dolphin, and the other one is growing on top of it, and it's called Dolphin 2. 
But reports from Alexei Demyanchuk and his team report that Dolphin 2 is starting to collapse. Cracks have been growing at the base, and this could potentially result in block and ash flows. We'll keep you updated on what could be a very exciting week for Dolphin 2. Yeah. <laughs> As usual, thanks to our sources, VolcanoDiscovery.com and the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Project as well as the Japanese Meteorological Agency and the Russian Volcano Observatory in Kyuchi. It's time for the focus. The today focus is going to be Hedna again, and this is not related at all with our love for this particular volcano, but mainly because the activity of our big mama Hedna is continued at very high levels. Uh, this past week we observed an increase in the paroxysm rate from 1 every 2 days to 1 per day. The last episode occurred yesterday, Sunday 27th of June, so we are expecting a new event this evening maybe? Waiting with our usual cup of tea. <laughs> okay, on Monday evening, while I am editing, the tremors going up. So, Etna is probably going to give us a big show. Exciting time. So, the series of paroxysms starting in December 2020, then intensify between February and March, as you remember, and after a small nap of Mama Etna, started again on the 19th of May, reached with uh, this last episode 44 eruption episodes. We are so close to beating the 2000 eruption series, which counted 66 episodes of Lava Fountains. Yeah, we really hope no stopping now. Not just for the paroxysm record, but who knows? Maybe Alessandro and I will take a vacation there well, in the summer. It would be so amazing to be there when Edna's doing her thing. Yeah, in that case, we should produce a special episode of the podcast on the mountain. I suggest changing the intro song with Mama Hedna sounds. For the event. Another important thing to underline in the last week is that Manhattan produced plumes that rose up to 10 kilometers. And you know what it means, Corinne? <laughs> yeah, this make Manhattan the worldwide winner for the highest plume again <laughs> for two weeks in a row. That's impressive. And yeah, yeah, I know, Corinne, don't say anything. This situation is not going to last. Our American friends will be soon released to have Sabankaya back in charge. Okay, so for today's focus, we're going to talk a little bit about Mama Etna myths, starting with the ancient Greek myth. Uh, we have one about Enkledus, which I'm so sorry I pronounced that wrong, uh, who is a giant, a brother of Zeus. He envied his brother and decided to go build a huge mountain to be able to reach uh, Olympus in order to uh, go to his brother's place. Well, as you can imagine, knowing how cruel the Greek mythology is, this story is not going to end with brotherly love. We are not in Philadelphia, guys. The city of brotherly love. What? What are you talking about? I don't get it. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Everybody knows that. What? Yeah, it's also the first thing that comes out in Google, if you Google it. <laughs> so, Corinne, you are from North America. You should know this. Okay, whatever. Let's <laughs> move it on. Let's okay. talk about the myth. <laughs> then what happened next is that Zeus did not take this initiative of the brother very well and he threw one of his lightning bolts on the brother mountain of course destroying it and of course the destruction of the mountain buried the brother alive under its debris wow cruel stories seem to be um, a, you know a, a similar theme in our, our volcanic myths with Iceland's myth 
Greek myths. They're all very negative. I don't know. Maybe it's the food which grows on basaltic soil that inspires very cruel story. <laughs> might might be, might be. Anyways, as the story continues, uh, Incledus was imprisoned there forever, not able to move at all. And his only way to manifest himself was to exhale his violent, incandescent breath out of the mound in the form of what we call lava. So basically, the mountain is Montana, and Encletus lives inside the mountain, and every time he gets angry, he exhales, I'm sorry, erupts on the surface. I'm just wondering why it's producing such a cyclical behavior. Maybe he has hiccups, or the flu, or a cold, or something that's just making him constantly see. Maybe he has allergies. Maybe it's like, yeah, might be. <laughs> but we have a last thing to add to this story. Okay. You might say, okay, okay, okay. Enceladus' story is nice, but, you know, all of us know Hetna's mama Hetna. So why is she female? Enceladus sounds like a male giant, not like a strong female god of eruption. Uh, you might be right, or at the same time, very wrong. Another legend wants Edna to be the daughter of Uranus and Gea, who hide Enceladus under her. This story is of course less cruel than the previous one. In that case, the mountain is protecting him and not collapsing on him, not making him move. On the website of etnapeople.com, they also underline how the idea of Hetna as a woman is still common and widely felt by the population, and this idea might also be related to the volcano salt fertility. Of course, Mama Etna is special. She likes to beat all the records in every field, and for that reason, she doesn't have just one myth, she's got lots of them. So let us know if you enjoyed this myth, and if you want another Etna myth in the future. Or if you prefer us to explore less the mythology and more the lava fountains and Montana. What lava fountains are, how do they fall, and why Herna showed this cyclical behavior. Or maybe you want both, fountains and myths. Maybe. Or maybe we should write a myth of a lava fountain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us. You can follow us, as always, on Twitter and Instagram, where we very irregularly post um, at volcano underscore watch. Um, thanks so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed. And see you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Incladus? Enkelados. 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 Enkelados, sorry. Enkelados.